Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to the Serious Security Seminar. Uh, it's my great pleasure to introduce today's speaker, Cami Vanilla. Uh, Cami is an assistant professor uh, in School of Informatics in Indiana University at Bloomington, uh, our neighbor. Uh, and she received her PhD from the Carnegie Mellon University. Her research are in human factors, insecurity, and privacy. And today he will tell us about her research in understanding why people uh, apply or not apply uh, software updates. Thank you. So uh, as you already stated, we're going to be talking about software updates today. And I actually really appreciate this XKCD comic, uh, which I will note came out after I did this research. I did not base my research on the XKCD comic. Uh, to read it to you, it says, urgent critical update available. Details, fixes an issue that was causing random laptop electrical fires, do you think might be serious? Uh, and he hits, this update will require you restarting your computer. And so, of course, he clicks, remind me later. Uh, if you mouse your, put a mouse over this, it says, uh, I had too many windows open. This is actually a beautiful typification for why people aren't necessarily installing updates. And really, people aren't installing updates. So most of the people in this room probably recall the Heartbleed vulnerability from last year. Uh, Harpley was a very serious vulnerability affecting open SSL. If you went and sent a specifically crafted um, connection request to a server, it would start dumping parts of its memory. This is a serious problem. Uh, and it infected 600,000 vulnerabilities. This, oh, or servers. Uh, this kind of has a, a nice story too, though, because shortly after we found the vulnerability, we figured out what was causing it, and we fixed it, right? And we fixed it by installing installing a software update patch, which is how we normally fix these things. Uh, unfortunately, the story since then is not always quite as good. So 600,000 servers initially vulnerable. After one month, we, we got to a half-life. We patched half of them, so 300,000 servers. Two months later, we still have 300,000 servers vulnerable. And now a year later, we're at 200,000 servers. We only managed to patch two-thirds. Uh, I really like software updates as a, a, a particular research direction because they represent what I, I like to think of as solved problems. Some researcher out there, some security professional, figured out how to fix Heartbleed. This is a solved problem. We know how to fix Heartbleed. This is not a mystery. There is no concern about how to do this. And the patches are working on very large servers out there. The, serv the patches themselves are not broken. They function. But we're still looking at a third of the servers that are still vulnerable. And this isn't just an issue um, for you know, big servers out there. For, as you're about to find out, a majority of my research is actually about uh, individuals. This is a study done by Microsoft of 10,000 Windows computers worldwide. Uh, the statistic I'm kind of draw your, your eye to here is Java. And I'm going to be picking on Java the length of this talk. 72% uh, of Java installations worldwide are not updated. For anyone who understands where security vulnerabilities tend to come from, Java is really high on this list. Uh, in fact, if we were to look at the list, this is a list out of Microsoft Security Intelligence Report. Uh, they rank the most commonly attacked pieces of software. So for Win or for Windows computers that are running their protection software, these are the, the pieces of software that malicious code is attempting to break into. Java is its own category by itself. Uh, and it ranks only below the internet, 
which is you know HTML and JavaScript. This is a serious problem. Uh, I'll also note Adobe Reader or down on number four accounts for 90% of that category. Updates are a problem and, and, and they're solved in many ways. I mean, most people actually get compromised by a vulnerability for which a patch exists. Uh, is the most commonly attacked method. There exists a patch, you could have been safe, but you weren't. Why? Why aren't people installing these? And uh, because I do this presentation to many audiences of many mixed backgrounds, I'm actually going to take a minor step background back and talk briefly about why on earth these things matter. Uh, so bear with me for a moment if you know this. So a software update at a very high level does one thing, and that's take an existing piece of software you currently have and change it into a slightly different piece of software. The one I just demoed here is um, iTunes, actually, before and after my study. So before my study, it has the sidebar on the left. Uh, after, or right before my study, they changed the entire user interface. They switched everything up. These are, in fact, the same page before and after an update. An update just effectively goes in and takes this thing you had before, throws that out, and puts a new thing in there. Now, sometimes what it throws out is very tiny, and sometimes what it throws out is very large. But effectively what it's doing is it's taking something you already had running and changing it. It's very high level. If we go one level deeper, uh, what it does is you have uh, many different programs on your computer. Uh, and some of those programs have holes or issues with them. And so when you try and use, say, Adobe Reader to open a file that is malicious, and your version of Adobe Reader is old, then the malicious software target known vulnerabilities and we'll use that to compromise your computer, to gain access to being able to do things that you don't necessarily want to have available. If you were to update it, if you close those holes, then you, and you attempt to open the same file, what will happen is either nothing or the file will just crash, because it's going to attempt to do something that the hooks, the, the pieces there that it's targeting, are missing. I sometimes describe this uh, to people who ask me, why aren't we just using antiviruses? If you think of this as a castle, we could either start blocking up all the gates so there's less ways to even get into the castle, or we can start hiring more guards. Uh, Java, Adobe Reader, these are the sorts of programs that have a lot of open gates. And every time we find one, we patch it, we close it, and then we don't need as many guards because there are less ways to get into the system. And so that's just, that's a really high level, but what we're really concerned here is why are people not updating software? Why are we having this problem? Uh, and to answer that, uh, this is research I did while I was still a postdoc at Michigan State uh, with Rick Wash and Emily Reader. We did a multi-methods study. So what we did was we brought in participants. We ran a custom PowerShell script on their computers just to collect a lot of information about settings, information about log files, uh, basically being opportunistic about what's typically recorded by the average Windows machine. Uh, we had them fill out a survey in the lab to get some structured information, and then we did an hour-long interview with them, asking them about a couple different scenarios, and specifically trying to get them to talk about prior experiences they'd had with updates and how they, they frame decisions involving updates. Um, uh, we used 37 non-technical graduate students. Now, keep in mind, this is graduate students. This is a, a convenient sample. Um, their age ages are pretty good, uh, and we surprisingly got a pretty good mix of male and female. Uh, I will, however, note that even though we're looking at graduate students that theoretically have their theses on their machines and, you know, their research data on their machines, we were not looking at 
in many ways, this is a, a more educated group. This is a group that has something that they want to protect inside their computer. And we're still seeing this many security issues. So uh, our participants, uh, 15 of them had at least one major security issue. Six had antivirus installed or not installed or disabled in some way. Two had turned their firewalls off. Uh, seven had uh, either completely turned off user account control or changed it to a lower setting. For those of you who don't know what user account control is, it's the thing that makes Windows ask you before it installs software. If it's off, Windows doesn't ask you before installing software. Um, six of them had either turned off Windows Update or limited it in some way. So we're not, even though these are uh, uh, perhaps a better sample, we're still seeing a fair number of problems. Also, I realize I probably have a lot of Mac users in the audience. You may not have had this Windows Update experience happen to you very often. So I'm going to spend a moment explaining how Windows Update works. Uh, this is a fairly complicated graphic. What we're going to focus on is the three boxes that are colored. Uh, so the first box is this blue box entitled Scheduled. So what Windows does is it goes out periodically on your behalf and looks to see if there's any new updates. Just checks for, on, on your behalf. It just checks for them. If it finds one, it automatically pulls it down and then creates a scheduled time period for it to be updated and notifies you. It puts up a little dialogue in the corner that just says, uh, there are updates available, you should install them. And then it, it moves into the, the green box, which I like to think of as the hands-off box. It just doesn't do anything unless the user decides to do something. This is the moment in which the user is given the opportunity to find a convenient time to update their software. So, uh, you know, if you were busy, this is when you have a chance to go and pick that point when you're not busy before you do the software update and maybe need to redo the reboot. If you fail to get this done before 3 a.m., the computer will do it for you. We move into the red box, the forced one. So what will happen is Windows has decided, well, this is a major security problem. We need to install it. So 3 a.m. or as soon thereafter, it just starts installing all the updates. Uh, once it's finished installing the updates, it decides if it needs a reboot. By the way, it doesn't actually always need a reboot. If it does need a reboot, it starts with what I like to think of as the countdown dialogue. Uh, where it starts at 10 minutes, and if you don't catch the dialogue before the end of 10 minutes, your computer automatically reboots. If you do catch the dialogue, you can't get rid of it. All you can do is delay it by a maximum of four hours, at which point it pops back up again, and if you miss it, your computer reboots. And then obviously at the end of this process, you have an updated computer. And this is, uh, this is actually one of the outputs of this research, because uh, this was very non-obvious to our participants. This wasn't even necessarily obvious to me beforehand how this structure works. And it's really interesting because in many ways it's trying to be polite to end users. It's giving you an opportunity to determine whether or not you want to install an update right now. And it's giving you that time frame in order to figure it out. I should note that this is also Windows 7. Uh, Windows 8 does something very similar, but the time frame is larger. I believe it gives you two days and through experimentation, I can tell you, you can push that two days to about a week before it starts having a fit and it forces this reboot. All right, so uh, that I'm going to start by talking about the log files. So this is the, the more structured information. We pulled this information almost exclusively about Windows itself because it's very verbose in its logging, and many of the other programs weren't, or were harder to extract this log information. Uh, Actually, backing up just half a second. So our participants 
um, actually had three different possible levels for uh, automatic software updates. So if I go back to the prior box, um, off is off. It doesn't do any of this. Um, if you have it set to notify only, it only does the blue box. So all it'll do is check for updates and let you know that they're there, but it won't try to automatically do anything. And then the default setting is to do everything on this graph, where it automatically spots them, gives you a moment to install them, and then if you fail to install them, it will install them for you. And uh, as you would expect, we have this sort of layout. So the majority of people had the default setting. Uh, four participants had changed it to notify, so it won't automatically install, it'll just tell them to install. And two of them had completely disabled. When looking at the Windows logs, what we're interested in is really two questions. Are users installing updates and are users installing updates quickly? So if they're not installing the updates, they are going to become vulnerable. Period. End of story. If they're not installing the updates quickly, they're, they're installing them, but they have this time frame in which they're vulnerable. Uh, so again, if you're not familiar with how updates work, what tends to happen is Microsoft, say, pushes out an update. All the bad guys download the update. They install it. And then they take the old version and the new version and they say, what's different between these two versions? Because what's different is where the hole is. As soon as they find the hole, they start writing malicious software. Which means that as soon as an update is published, as soon as it becomes publicly available, the number of pieces of malicious software targeting it skyrockets. Um, every paper I've seen has a different number and it's usually somewhere between like 400% increase and several thousand percent increase. So the faster you install updates, the safer you will be. And so it is important that not only they are installing them, but that they are installing them quickly. Uh, so I'm just going to lean forward and see what, whether or not yellow is showing Okay, good, yellow is showing up. All right, so what you are looking at here is all of our participants. Um, each participant is a dot. Green dots are the people who are automatic. Yellow dots are the people who are just being notified, and red people weren't installing updates, so they're not on this graph. Um, uh, I know it's a little hard to see, but I believe, yeah, so this is uh, 200 here. Uh, people are installing a, a lot of updates. Uh, it's actually shocking the number of updates Windows pulls down at any given moment and is installing at all times. But what you aren't seeing here is a big difference between the yellow and the green dots. Uh, unfortunately, we kind of have too few people that have uh, notify settings to reliably do statistics on this, but we're not seeing a horrific setting here. In fact, they are installing these updates, and they're installing them at very similar time periods. Also, if you can't tell, this is month owned. This is at 20 months, so a year is sitting about here. Um, all right, so if we're not seeing many differences in the numbers installed. Let's look at the time to patch. Now we are seeing some differences here. Uh, again, yellow is the number of people or the people who have a notified setting. Um, in this case, uh, this is days to update. So a month is sitting at the center of the graph here. Um, the, we're looking at about 150 updates per person. And the median is six days for the notify condition and 2.6 days for the automatic. Uh, so we are seeing difference, but keep in mind we again only have four users, so let's break this out. Uh, so you're looking at basically the same graph here, uh, but I've sorted it uh, by the medians, starting from the lowest median on the left to the highest median on the right. Uh, what's really interesting about this is that for the majority of the notified participants, uh, the median is actually sitting way down at the bottom of these box and whisker plots. 
Um, this person actually doesn't use their machine a lot, so they have a lot of variation. Same story with these green ones nearby. It isn't? Ah, oh, they told me to do that. All right. So you can kind of see here at the bottom of the yellow boxes that um, uh, the median is sitting at the bottom. These people are actually installing these updates most of the time fairly quickly. And then on occasional time frame, they're, they're delaying it for a long time. Now, if you try to delay it and you're on automatic, the Windows has a, a bit and automatically installs it for you and just forces the reboot, which is why we see most of the green people sitting down at the lower ends here. Uh, if you don't, then you have the option to delay it for longer. But this is actually, this is kind of a mixed story because on one hand, it's actually really good. We're seeing a lot of people installing it quickly, even though they have Notify. And we're seeing it work properly for the, um, the automatic settings. Uh, but, you know, we are also seeing the sort of thing we're concerned about, which is this, this greater delay that's happening. Uh, so it's kind of a mixed bag. Yeah? Why you have these long green bars? So if it's automatic, why update takes that long? They, they don't so use the computer? So we're looking at the time difference between when the patch was published by Microsoft mm -hmm. and when it was installed by the laptop. Mm -hmm. uh, Christmas, particularly for graduate students, is a time period where they might, like, close their laptop and not open it again for two or three weeks. Okay. And that causes this uh, situation across both. Uh, Experimentally, I tried to figure out if I could determine if the machines were on or off mm -hmm. and then subtract that time period, but uh, we didn't have on-off logs for them for a long okay. enough time frame. If you look at it for just the time frame when we did have it, it starts looking a lot better, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm iffy on saying that because we don't have enough information. <laughs> So another question is, uh, one of, uh, I guess two slides back, you showed there's a one yellow dot which installed uh, more updates than the other green one. Is this because some of the, if the update is not critical, then automatic update do not do it, or why? Uh, so my best guess at this is Microsoft does this behavior called bundling of updates. Okay. So what they'll do is they'll I release see. an update, and release another update, and then when they hit this, this third update, they go, well, really, we should just put all those, those earlier updates together into one update, roll them together, and then just release one forward. Uh, and so, so you're what will happen? That uh, number of uh, updates. So that it's possible to differentiate this because they do post the information, but mm -hmm. it is in a very hard to parse okay. thing. And I didn't want to throw enough undergrads mm -hmm. at, at basically reading through all of these documents mm -hmm. and figuring out which thing can, came to which one. But that's what causes it. Um, the other one that you haven't uh, brought up, but you may have noticed, is I cut this graph off. This graph actually heads way the heck up, all the way up into past one year. Um, the other cause for this is that sometimes I don't need an update right away. Like uh, this device, when I first plugged it into my machine, installed a driver automatically. And that driver may have had an update associated with it, which I did not need up until the moment in which I plugged it into the system. And then I suddenly needed it. And so Microsoft may have released this two years ago, and I just now installed it. And so you have these long time periods that I haven't figured out how to remove from the data set yet. Um, Mostly we're removing them in this case by just pulling them out because they look like outliers. All right, any more questions on this piece before I kind of start moving into the survey? All right, so that was entirely Windows logs. Uh, when I start talking about the survey, we're going to start mixing talking about Windows and talking about some of the applications installed on top of it. Um, I'm just throwing this up here again in case we'd spent a lot of time before. We don't really need to talk about it. Uh, all right, so what you're looking at here is the way people are answering on a survey, 
versus the way our log file parser determined what their system was actually doing and the number that fell into each group. So the, in the upper left-hand corner, for example, is all the participants who all knew that they were being notified before installation and not, the system wasn't in, automatically installing it. The, so they changed it so the system was not doing an automatic installation and they knew that. Uh, if I color this graph for you, no, the colors, okay, good, the colors show up. Uh, the people in the green boxes are correct. The people in the red boxes are wrong. I want to distinguish between them being wrong and being in a dangerous state, because that's two different situations. But uh, the four people that changed to notify knew that they changed to notify, which is perhaps why we're seeing them updating things fairly quickly. They know it's their responsibility. Um, I should also note that there should be two people in the disabled category, but one of them indicated on the survey that they did not have Windows installed. I swear they had Windows installed. But it caused the logic and the survey software to not ask them this question, which is why they're not here. Um, so getting back to so one of the reasons we're probably seeing the, the quick installation by the notify is they, they know that they have to do this. They are aware that they changed their settings. Uh, what's really interesting, actually, is that 20 of our subjects that have it set to automatically install don't think that. They think that Windows asks them, but then never automatically installs anything. They think it's their responsibility to do this. And when we interview them, we actually get a consistent response here. They think that, so just to, to back up two slides, if you went and you always took advantage of that green box, so every time it popped up and said, you have new updates available, you clicked, yes, I want to install them, you might never learn that there is a red box. Uh, and so a fair number of our participants felt that they were notified before an installation, but that no automatic installation was ever done. And it's possible that for, I haven't tried pulling this out as much. Uh, I can't, actually, I did pull this out. They're, they're a mixed bag. Uh, some of them are actually being having forced installations happen on their machines. Some of them aren't, but they, their perception of the situation is that they actually are being asked and the system is not necessarily doing it on their behalf. Uh, versus eight of our participants that believe that it's actually there, that the system is automatically forcing this situation. So we're seeing, this is I realize not news, most users don't properly necessarily understand how their systems are behaving when it comes to software updates. But it is interesting to see where they are falling and that, and, large number of people believe that updating the software is something that they personally have to do and that the system may not do for them. Uh, I, I promised to pick on Java. So um, let's look at the same graph for Java. Uh, Java is a little bit different in that we can't reach in and figure out what Java's settings are. And at the time of the study, Java was not doing any automatic updates. So the fact that the row of automatic updates in the survey is completely blank, they're correct. They're, it's not automatically updating. It's always asking them. Uh, so instead of looking at the setting, we looked at whether or not it was currently updated at the, at the date that we ran this survey and uh, broke it out equivalently. Um, the three people that think it's not installed and it's not installed are obviously correct. What's kind of uh, terrifying here, though, is that out of all of these participants, only nine of them have it updated. I mean, this is actually fairly consistent with what I showed at the beginning of the presentation. People aren't updating Java. They just don't. And what's almost more terrifying is that they know the system will not update itself. 
Uh, if you look at the survey, there's an option here, auto installs updates. No one picked it. They all know that the system is asking them to do the installation and that, and then they're not doing it. This is a conscious decision. And so this isn't a, a mistaking of understanding kind of what's going on here. So of course that leads me into the next part, which is, well, what happens when we actually ask them this question? <laughs> what do you think's going on here and why are you picking these, these options? Um, in order to do this, and we don't necessarily uh, have enough time for me to dig through all the, the details of how we did this analysis, but it's, it's called a thematic analysis. We did interviews, uh, we went through the interviews, uh, we coded up particular concepts that were coming out of it. I'm going to be talking about several pieces of software. The software I'm mentioning was actually not brought up by us. Uh, participants uniformly picked these softwares to talk about as a common point of, of concern or problem. And, uh, when I hit certain ones of them, I'll explain why, because sometimes uh, a particular update happened right before our study, which caused the participant to be irritated about that particular one and, and mention it. So the, the first theme that really came out here is this concept of surprise user interface changes. Right before our study, iTunes decided to go from their prior interface where they had a sidebar that showed music to an interface that's modal. So if you want to go from books to music, you have to click on the thing that says books and then select the drop-down item that says music. Um, one of my subjects described this as, oh my god, where did my music go? Uh, there was some distinctive concern about the, the updating behavior here. Uh, and, and this is typified in a quote. So uh, I, I always worry that everything's going to get screwed up, especially for iTunes updates or things like that because they're always reconfiguring the layout of stuff. And I'm like, I don't want you to do that. Just like, leave it alone. And this is actually a really common uh, comment from participants. They're like, I have this thing, it's working. I liked the way it was working. And then suddenly you just changed it on me. And I did not like the change. Uh, 24 of our participants had iTunes installed. Eight of them had actually, some, in some way, either stopped responding to the update requests after this or completely disabled. And I can't tell which one it is. I can just tell you that eight of them no longer had an updated version of iTunes. And so the first question you might ask is, who cares? It's iTunes. <laughs> I mean, sure, maybe if they're downloading really evil music MP3 files off the internet, maybe that's a problem. But I mean, it's iTunes. Who cares? I actually had this question personally myself. And so I went and did some Googling on iTunes, like who the heck cares about all the security? I found that the, the update before the one that my participants hated actually patched 162 security vulnerabilities, including remote code explo exploits. Serious stuff. And when you start digging into why it had that many vulnerabilities, you discover this interesting, though perhaps obvious, fact, which is that iTunes runs a web browser. It doesn't just run a web browser, it runs WebKit. WebKit's the thing that makes Chrome run, and it's the thing that makes Safari run. So if you have written a vulnerability, and it works against Chrome, or it works against Safari, there's a non-trivial chance it'll work against iTunes. And I, I especially had my students with Macintoshes attempt this on, on uh, websites. If you craft a, a URL properly, it just auto-opens in, in iTunes, right? Like it's an iTunes, it wants to open it in the store, just pulls it straight up. Uh, and so you have, the, I really like this example mostly because it's, it's not obvious. Like you wouldn't normally link iTunes with a security problem. Our subjects definitely didn't like iTunes with a security problem. 
But many pieces of software you don't normally think of as security problems on your system can in fact be this way. And it's a situation in which decisions involving a user interface are causing security problems. If these people completely stop updating to prevent this user interface change, they will have security problems in the future that are caused by the user interface decisions that are being made and how things are packaged. Uh, so moving on to another one, again, Java. Uh, unused and unrecognized software. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Java is, just in case you don't, uh, Java is a pro or a, broadly it's a program that lets other programs run. So there's your computer, there's Java, there's your favorite game. So your favorite game sits on top of Java, which then sits on top of the computer. If you remove the Java out of the middle, your game stops working. This is important because most people never hit Java when they click on the something off the start menu. They hit my favorite game. And it's not necessarily evident that they're dealing with Java. And you can tell this from the quotes from participants. So I don't know why the hell I need a Java. So I ignore it and I'm pissed off. And I think I have a tendency, like when I see Java pop up in the corner, I'm like, F you Java, get off of my screen. Why are you still here? Uh, very frustrated participant. Um, I will note that right before our study, uh, Java had a string of security vulnerabilities, which is not an uncommon event for Java. Uh, and this caused people to have to hit, you know, the OK button or ignore this Java thing a lot uh, frequently. And so this was, we did not actually ask them explicitly about Java other than the survey, but they all mentioned it. It was like, yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, 74% were not updated. Yeah, so I, I, I remember there was a period, it seems Java will ask for update mm -hmm. every day. Even an update today, tomorrow it will show up again. So I actually ended up not, uh, not responding to it. So I guess maybe that's a similar experience here. It's, for some reason, it's just too frequent. So mm -hmm. unlike, I don't know you know why. I haven't actually asked them. I have a sus deep suspicion they're not bundling the updates. So you install update one, and then you've been ignoring update one for so long, there's now update two. And then by the time you get around to update two, update three happens. I can tell you that your experience uh, is not abnormal. I talk to people on airplanes and in lines and all sorts of things about their negative update experiences. And I have frequently heard this, this opinion, like, I just hit that button. Why do I have to hit the button again? Is this a virus? Is it broken? Um, that didn't come up actually much, as much in this study, but yeah, it definitely happens. The other one, though, I want to talk about is so if you're familiar with Java, there's kind of two camps in computer security when it comes to Java. One camp is get that thing off your machine. It's really dangerous. You should uninstall it and never use anything that involves Java. So this is one camp. The other camp believes you can't get it off your machine. It's needed for too many things. You need to update it, and you need to update it quickly. So this, just to describe it, <laughs> One of our participants was like, oh, there's all these Java requests. I should figure out what Java is before I decide, you know, should I be hitting this button or not? So she did the rational thing. She Googled it. Do I want to install the Java update? You know, some of the forums say you should install the update because it will make it better. Other forums are like, just take it off your computer completely. She hit the end of this and she decided, you know, that not to touch it because she doesn't know what to do. One half is telling her to get rid of this Java thing. The other one is telling her to hit the buttons. Like, she has a vote for both buttons. What does she do? And the answer is 
don't do anything, you might damage it. Uh, and, and this is another reason we're experiencing problems with Java. This is why Java is updated so poorly. Uh, so moving on to the third one that we identified out of this research is currently functional software. Adobe was a beautiful example of this. Um, I also like to refer to this category if it, as if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's working. Don't mess with working things. Uh, I, I feel like if I'm really used to software, I'm using it and I think it's meeting my needs, I won't update the software. I just don't see what an update to Adobe Reader can do. I mean, it's PDF files. It's viewing them. <laughs> Is he wrong? I mean, when he hits the PDF file button, the PDF shows up. Why would I need to do this? Uh, I nearly inserted this graphic I found online uh, that uh, states on it, you know, it's just, it's the, the logo for Adobe Reader. It's like, the same program for the last decade needs to update every day. Uh, this is a, why does it need to update? <laughs> like, it's working, it's functional, I don't need to waste the time on it. Uh, and, and this was also heavily seen. I'll also note that when we presented this at Kai, we had someone come up and explain to us that they've had to have this conversation with software engineers previously before, because this is not obvious. And the reason that is that many people see this as you have this document, it's sitting on your hard drive. It's just sitting there. So what's the computer doing? It's picking it up off the hard drive and it's showing it to you. And so how could this have anything to do with security, right? It's, it's just taking a static thing and it's showing it to you. And that is not what it's doing, right? It's doing a lot of complicated things. Just like the internet has to do some things in order to show, display this concept, content to you. Also Adobe Reader has to do uh, calculations and, and it allows all sorts of other things to run to, in order to display something to you. So it can actually be serious and dangerous. All right, so that is the, um, it's the work I did at Michigan State talking primarily about like, just talking with a small set of users. So now at Indiana University, we're starting to try to move some of this research forward into new directions. And uh, this is, so what I'm about to present is not finished work. It is uh, work then which we are planning to hit the go button on soon, but we don't actually have the results of soon. So I'm just stating that up front. Uh, part of the problem here is we're looking at a small set and we, we can see some of the problems people are having, but we're not really sure how do you address them or how widespread they are, or even what's out there to address them right now. So what's out there to address them right now um, is this, right? This is like, now every time I see a software update pop up on my computer, I screenshot it. It's an automated behavior at this stage. I have piles of screenshots of these things. Some of them are really good. Like the one in the middle here, uh, this update addresses customer issues and security vulnerabilities. Adobe recommends that you uh, always install the latest updates. All right, so does this update change my user interface? I don't know. Uh, well, actually, I might know what the software is. That's more likely. But there's nothing on this thing trying to explain to me what the software is. It's not trying to address that concern. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, I don't even understand if I am customer issues. And if I, I don't think it's broken right now, then what customer issues? Uh, and this is a common thing. So what I talked about before is strong things that came out of the research. Uh, what this list is, is it's a, uh, a longer set of things that either came out weekly or based on other research, I think, are things that people are concerned about. Yeah. So, so 
So on the previous slides, did, what happened when you click details? What kind of detail do you get? Oh, I'm trying to remember what happened when I clicked. It wasn't useful. <coughs> I think it shipped me over to the Adobe Update web page. Oh, okay. Um, Similar for other, like Java, more information? I do not hit no, no. Uh, The Java more information is not particularly useful. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, it won't let me go back through them one by one. It's probably going to bring them back up. Um, Honestly, I think the most useful one I've ever seen, and I perhaps should have screenshotted it here, mm. was uh, Wireshark. So if you look at this list here, and you look at a Wireshark update, mm. they actually have a whole document that's their release mm. notes. The, um, the outline for the document basically reads like this list, mm -hmm. starting with a description of what's Wireshark, which theoretically you should know if it's on your machine, but they don't even assume that. They start with a two-sentence, what is Wireshark? And in the bottom left-hand corner, they even have a skip this update option. So if you don't want this update, you just hit that button, and the next update will show up, but it won't bother you about this one anymore. Uh, it's probably one of the more usable ones I've seen since I've started screenshotting. Now, admittedly, uh, I'm screenshotting the ones on my machine, and we're, we're looking at trying to do this more broadly with, uh, with different groups. Um, but let me go through this list quickly, uh, talking about some of the things that are on it and why they are on it. Uh, the first one should be obvious from the, the presentation I've done thus far. People are really concerned about whether or not their user interface will change. And many update dialogues do not actually address this topic, uh, which makes it very difficult for me to tell the difference between something that's just going to make some changes underneath that I don't see and something that's going to require me to relearn my entire user interface or figure out where my music went. Um, the second one is usage, and this is something people brought up a lot, was do I use this program? Uh, Java fell straight into this bucket. Am I actually using this? Because if I'm not using it, why am I spending time updating it? Why am I having to reboot my computer? If I don't actually need the update, if it's not going to be valuable to me, why would I waste that time or take that risk? And so uh, my personal usage of it actually comes very strongly into this. This includes whether or not I'm using it right now and whether or not trying to update it will, in fact, impact my ability to keep doing things. The company reputation comes in very strongly. What happened last time? I had a lot of people talk about Java updates in actually a positive manner. They're like, oh, a Java update. Well, when I see one of those, I know I'm going to hit the box. Nothing on my computer is going to like freeze up or cause any problems. It's just going to run. And if it asks for a reboot, I can just tell it no, and it will respect that. And because of this opinion, those people were updating Java. They're like, this thing doesn't get in the way. It doesn't cause me any grief. That hasn't caused me any grief the last time. Uh, compare that to the iTunes quote I gave you earlier, in which they were going, iTunes, Apple always messes stuff up. <laughs> when I hit that button, they're going to screw it up. And when they have that opinion, their willingness to just update things is actually really low. I talk to Apple users, and their odds of telling me that they're going to research an update is a whole lot higher than when I talk to Windows users. They're suspicious. They actually go out there and look to figure out what this update is going to do, because Apple might screw it up. Um, computing resources, also a major issue if you're an Apple user, particularly if you're an Apple phone user. They actually, I talk to ones all the time, they won't install the updates because the updates will increase the size of the operating system and will take away the space on their hard drives of their phones. And they need all the space, or they may not even have enough space to pull down the update. Um, this is a serious concern. Uh, when I was on the interview circuit, I remember someone actually showing me two versions of Lightroom. Light, it's Lightroom, isn't it, that they use? Uh, running simultaneously because the new version apparently isn't memory efficient enough to handle the file sizes that the old version was running. 
And so he had to keep the old version around just because it couldn't handle uh, or manage memory properly. Uh, so resources are actually a major issue. Um, features, <laughs> Apple, maybe I should have said I was going to pick on Apple. Um, I have another quote from an Apple participant who basically said that, well, you know, the old Apple devices, sometimes you just can't use them with the new versions of iTunes. Uh, I actually talked to a tech journalist once who was like, I have the virus-ridden computer uh, in which, that was in quotes, by the way, if you were doing virus-ridden computer that I have for updating my old iPod because I can't install any new versions on it. Because if I do, it'll no longer work with my old iPod. And so sometimes features show up, which is a really positive thing. So like some people are updating iTunes because they needed to work with their new phone or because it had a new, uh, new bell or whistle that they really liked. Some people were blocking updates because they thought that they would stop working with an older file format or if they wouldn't, uh, they'd lose the ability to interact with a particular device. Uh, monetary costs came up in some categories, sometimes, though it's, a, it's most updates today are, are typically free, but sometimes they're not. So particularly an upgrade, so if I'm moving from Windows, say, XP <laughs> up to Windows 8, that will cost me money, and that might make a, a serious decision point. Um, compatibility. Uh, this came up actually in reference to browsers more. You've got all these plugins, and when the browser rolls forward, some percentage of them just stop working. And if that was a really valuable plugin to me, I will block this update, and I don't know if that will happen or not. Uh, a beautiful example of this is actually screen readers. I, I was talking with a blind user who had every update on her, automatic update on her entire machine turned off. Because if one thing updated and disabled the screen reader, she would lose the ability to even fix the problem because she couldn't see it. And so unless something was approved as working with her screen reader, she would not move anything forward. Everything was blocked. Um, and that, I can't tell her she's wrong. <laughs> like she's making a very rational decision. Uh, security is an interesting one on here because I keep wanting to add it and my um, participants don't keep not adding it. But the way that they do talk about security is whether or not something is a security related software. So people will talk a lot about updating their antivirus. They will update their antivirus. This is important for security. They will update their browser. Bad things come in off the internet. They don't update iTunes. What the heck does that have to do with security? Uh, so if something is perceived as being security related, they are more likely to update it because of that, but they won't necessarily uh, update these other things that might be security related, or they might not believe it. Uh, we had one participant express that, um, well, okay, we, we told them, well, imagine that this, the software told you this was an urgent security update. And his response, well, how does the computer know it's urgent? And you know, we, we have lack of trust in some of these machines. I mean, like, how does this person who's sitting all the way over in Microsoft know what's best for my machine? I am the one sitting in front of this. I get to decide whether or not something is urgent. Uh, and so there's sometimes a lack of belief. Uh, there's also a lot of uh, opinions about bugs, so issues involving that. Uh, I think I'm probably running low on time. Someone want to tell me? I actually don't know when this ends, so the clock in front of me is not helpful. Okay. Is that before I start getting questions, or should I? Okay. Um, I will skip through this then. I just wanted to kind of point out that there is a second round to this. There's reasons people won't install, and then there's reasons people won't install right now. This is kind of different, the two differences I talked about earlier, right? Are people installing updates at all? 
and why aren't people installing updates necessarily right now? And they are a different list. Uh, there's a lot of similarities, but a lot of them have to do with things like budgeting time in case one of those other things happens. So if I might not hit the update button right now on iTunes, I might wait till the weekend when I know I have time to relearn the user interface if it causes that problem. And if I know the user interface not, might not, isn't going to change, maybe I will go and make that decision. Maybe I'll do the update now. But if I have that risk, I have to budget for it. And there's a lot of elements I have to budget for, like reboots, can I go back, different sorts of things that control whether or not I'm updating right now. I'm just going to skip through the minor point I had there, and we'll skip to questions. We still have time for it. Uh, so thank you very much. Uh, does anyone have questions? Have you done any research on these um, windows which comes up, and they ask you this version that you are using is kind of old. Would you like to update? And I'm usually very apprehensive to do that because sometimes I'm suspicious they're putting something in that they can get in later on, so I have to go to the original website to do it. Have you done any research on that? I haven't, but I really do want to. Um, this is kind of one of the spaces we're moving into. So we're trying to look at uh, two things moving forward. One, I'm trying to do in a, a survey in which we elicit experiences from users, just trying to get a broader sense of what's going on. The other one in which I want to take a couple of these screenshots, like the ones I showed you here, and just put them up in front of users in a survey format and ask them, ask them a pile of questions like, do you think this is valid? Or do you think this is a real one? Um, do you think this is going to change your user interface? Like going down a lot of elements of that list. Uh, I can tell you from not necessarily software updates, but just in very general, users have a lot of trouble differentiating between like that pop-up that came off the internet and this incredibly important security dialogue. Uh, if you don't have a lot of experience, it's difficult to tell the difference between something blinking and telling you you have a virus online. Blinking is starting to become something that they've learned to avoid, but just something popping up online that says you have a problem and something popping up on your computer can be very different. Uh, it's not something I've specifically done, but it, it is reasonably well known at this point in the field. And yeah, uh, it's also particular to this domain, Many times when you're dealing with security, the, the answer is to have the operating system show you the, the request. But many of these dialogues are actually designed by each individual system. One of the things I would really like to move into, uh, and hopefully we'll start doing, is looking at mobile devices, and whether or not using things like the app stores is actually improving some of the issues you're talking about, because now you have an authoritative source from which you can get the update information. You don't have to guess. The other question is when you were talking about people turning in uh, firewalls off or other securities off, is maybe uh, some kind of misconception or something that if you are using some kind of a router or something, it's automatically it's going to start to bad things happen to your computer or the world coming in. So it's a mix of answers. We, this is not the focus of the study, so I only know it tangentially. Um, when we identified an issue like that, we tried to make sure the participant knew before they left. Uh, they may have totally ignore us. Um, one of the people that turned off his firewall did so because it was interfering with some older game that he liked to play. And so he just disabled the firewall. Um, antiviruses, uh, a couple of our participants were actually on Macs in which they had installed a VM. And so I would get this tone from them that they're on a Mac, they're fine. And uh, they're not fine. A VM is like they were running an actual Windows computer. There's, there's no strong differentiation between because it's on a Mac or it's on an actual Windows machine. 
but they didn't have that opinion. They were on a Mac. Uh, similar opinion might be that I'm on a Mac and I don't really have anything important in here. All I'm using this for is running the you know SPSS you know stuff with my research in it. Uh, but uh, sometimes that and. I also have had several participants tell me that they don't go to dangerous parts of the internet and because of that they don't feel like they or that they can differentiate between dangerous and non-dangerous things uh, and so it's a range. I've, I've also had security researchers previously tell me that antiviruses actually don't do that much which I have an entire opinion on that topic. They're not necessarily wrong but it's only because so many people install antiviruses that it's not worth making viruses as many much nowadays, and if everybody had that opinion, we'd probably see a resurgence in the amount of viruses used. So, um, I, have <laughs> I have a comment following with your question. Um, you were talking about Java earlier, that you know Java is probably one of the most um, widely unpatched um, applications that you would think about. But um, isn't it justified that, you know, because Java is one of the largest used uh, languages for web right now, and it's used on one of the most uh, largest number of production machines, patching is a bit difficult with Java. So having said that, have you looked at standardized uh, data with Java and let's say Windows update or Adobe updates? Have you standardized it and seen how much of a difference it is? Uh, no, but that's because I kind of have the wrong data set. Um, What's going on here is, so first off, there's end user machines, which is typically what I've been showing out here, which are not production machines. And typically the most valuable Java related thing they're running is either something from their company or that game that they really care about. Uh, and both of those are equally, you know, internally valuable to someone. So I don't think that's really necessarily what you're concerned with. A more interesting statistic is the Heartbleed one or uh, the one for PHP, someone did a survey on that. Uh, actually, if you look that one up, they have a lot of different uh, languages and wh whether or not they're patched on servers. They found 80% of servers running a version of PHP with a known security vulnerability. Um, this, is a, this is a problem and we don't, it's not just Java. Java is the easiest one to pick on in many regards, but like Adobe Reader, uh, Adobe Flash, both of those have benefited by the fact that the web browsers have started bundling them. So if you have an automatic update on Chrome or Firefox, you have an automatic update of Flash as it's used. Um, I also want to, just in case you're in the audience and you don't know the difference, Java is not JavaScript. Java is very rarely used on the internet anymore. It's actually primarily JavaScript, which does beat out Java on that list. Uh, typically Java is for, for local machine issues. All right, there was another question. Uh, Java recently updated from Java 7 to Java 8, uh, and they changed some encryption algorithm within the software. So like, so most of the softwares that use Java for encryption purposes would not function if Java has been updated. So is that one of the reasons you consider doing the survey? I'll pull this actually to a slightly different. So a question I got from a prior audience um, was about these emails they would get all the time from their IT department. And the email was like, update Adobe right now. Don't update Adobe right now. Do update Java right now. Don't update Java this version. Do update this one. Uh, and you get, I don't know entirely the answer to that. I suspect that fatigue about hitting these stupid buttons and not knowing what Java were are much larger reasons. But there's also this secondary level of input people are getting from IT departments and from other groups that are trying to manage uh, software compatibility within organizations. 
And I don't know how much people are learning from that and either taking it home or learning from that not to touch this thing. Uh, both, both lessons, I think, might be contributing to something like this and causing that sort of trouble. Uh, the other thing I'll notice, there's an, I haven't gotten into the, the, econ uh, the economics of this sort of a situation, but there is a lot of interesting economics. If everything is updating, very rarely do you write software that is the entire stack nowadays. Typically, you don't want to reinvent the wheel. You use a library. So you pull down libraries A, B, C, D, all the way through Z, and you use all of them in your software. If a single one of them changes, a single one updates and isn't compatible, your entire software breaks. And when all of them are updating on these tight update cycles, the odds that one of them is going to screw up your software actually gets really high. And how much effort are you willing to put out, particularly when we start dealing with these situations in which we have a lot of developers that are developing for free. They're doing open source sort of development. Now, how much, like, maybe I wrote the most awesome widget ever for Firefox, but I did it back in Firefox 3. Odds are my most awesome widget no longer works in, I don't even know what Firefox number we're at now, but it's a large one. And even if I fix it today, the odds are Firefox are going to mildly change their, their API and it will be broken tomorrow. And so I am partially curious how much this update and this continual source of change is causing a negative effect not just for end users and security and updating, but also for security of like things like servers and all of these other sorts of elements which are specifically not updating their libraries because updating their libraries is so much work. Um, and one of the things I would really like to see happen, which I'm kind of working f towards with these questions, is trying to figure it out. If you were to decide whether or not you wanted to update a library, what are the most important facts to know? And how can we get the developer who made that update to answer them? And can they answer them easily, right? If you make it too hard for them, they're not going to answer them. Uh, but if you can find easy questions they can answer that will actually help facilitate this transition to differentiate between an update that is likely to break your stuff and an update that is not likely to break your stuff. The odds of getting the, the not going to break your stuff updates installed, I, I hope, will improve. Do you think we're out of time to take the retrospection offline and thank 